Um, okay, this is, this is our last Sunday in our series in Acts. And so, so it is. <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. Other than that, really. Um, so if you're wondering why I have a crutch, it's because one of my legs doesn't work. <laughs> and it doesn't work because I, I just had ACL surgery um, this past week, and uh, it's, it's been a significant week. But um, I was thinking about that in relation to this, this sermon. You know, with, a, with a torn ACL, I, I needed surgery for it to, to heal and be able to work and be able to do the, the things that I need to be able to do. Um, but after surgery, I need PT. And the whole process is a, a pretty lengthy one that I'm at the very beginning of this process. And um, there's a lot of pain involved, and the PT is going to involve a lot of pain. Um, but to have my surgeon interpret for me what is happening, that I have a torn ACL, that I need surgery, that after the surgery, here's what you need to get better. Um, these are the things that, that are going to help you heal uh, so that you can have full range of motion and, and be able to do all the things that you need to do, and that those things that are going to help you heal are also going to be painful. To have someone who knows that tell me all of those things is very life-giving. It helps me live in reality. It helps me live in accord with this reality where I find myself. Otherwise, if I didn't know what was happening, um, I could take this uh, a lot of different directions and find myself in a bad place. And so um, related to this, this whole semester as we've been going through this, this study of the book of Acts, really the study of the book of Acts is the account of the earliest church. This is after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And now um, he has poured his spirit out into his people. And this is this new gathering of the, the people of God who is the church. And so, uh, as we've said from the beginning, uh, many of us, especially if you grew up in the, in the South, in the United States, um, you have a lot of tapes. Some of those tapes may be bad tapes about what the church is and what it's like to be a part of the church and what the church is all about and, and what's the purpose of gathering and uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus and what is the mission of God and all of these things. And so what we've, what we've done over the course of the semester is we've asked you uh, to consider yourself a member of an exploring board. And if you're not familiar with an exploring board, uh, that's just uh, you gather a group of people for a limited period of time and say, hey, would you help me dream about this thing if we're trying to start an organization or, or whatever it is and commit yourself to this limited amount of time. And then when we get to the end of that window, uh, we can either say thank you for your service and you can move on if you don't feel called to remain a part of whatever this organization is, or uh, you could jump in with both feet and be fully present. And so I, I've issued that invitation because I believe that's the invitation that the, the Lord is issuing to all of us here is that um, you and I are agents. Um, we have agency. Um, and so no matter what we've grown up with, no matter what suffering we've experienced, no matter what bad tapes of the church and the mission of God we've experienced and lived through, um, we can make decisions for ourselves. And so you are not trapped just because you've been a part of, of this organization or you've You've come and attended Sunday worship uh, every week of your life, maybe. Um, you don't have to continue doing that. And so what, what I've asked us to do is to walk through this semester really leaning in, really engaging and, and engaging with God in his word of what it is to be the church and what it is to be a Christian and what it is to be on the mission of God. 
together. And at the end of this time, you can decide, uh, this is not for me. Um, I will not receive the Jesus of Scripture. Um, and, and you can res- decide that this is not the community for me. Um, or uh, you can lean in and, and be fully here. But please, uh, the one thing that we cannot afford to do is to just smile and nod and let all of this wash over us because life is too short for that. Um, and so now we're here at the end of this journey and uh, all of the things that we've seen, all the things that we've learned about what it is to be the church and to be on the mission of God, all of this, we could undo all of the good that we've done up to this point um, by missing what God has for us in this last chapter of Acts. Uh, we could come away demanding that everything in our life and our experience in the church and as a Christian and on the mission of God be up and to the right. And in so, sorry, this is like, this is bothering me. Okay, better. Um, and, and in so doing, we would become shallow caricatures uh, of Christians, like many who have gone before us. Um, and when we experience suffering and rejection, uh, we would walk away. Or maybe we would make believe and pretend that we're not experiencing suffering and rejection for a while and then walk away, uh, become disillusioned and say, all of this is, is garbage. Uh, but what, what Jesus has for us in this last chapter, and uh, Tokes, are you reading for us? If you come on up, man. Um, he speaks to this, that uh, suffering and rejection are coming, but neither suffering nor rejection stops the mission of God in my life or in the world. And so if you'll uh, turn to Acts 28, starting in verse 16. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to conceive them, or sorry, trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through, uh, through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will, in, you will indeed see but never perceive. For the people's heart had grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and with their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, I would heal them. 
Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the, uh, the kingdom of God and teaching them about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Tokes. Father, uh, we come into your presence, Lord, because you have decided that you wanted us to do this today. Um, every man, woman, and child is here because you have ordained it, whether we know it or not. And so now, Lord, we ask, I ask that you would um, open our ears, open our minds, open our eyes to see you, to receive you, to love you. Uh, Father, I pray for those of us who are disengaged uh, and just going through the motions that you give us the courage to be honest that we, we don't really love or follow you. Um, so that you could help us live in reality and change those hearts and uh, lead us to yourself. For those of us who, who are yours, Lord, would you strengthen us? Would you um, bring healing? Would you warm our cold hearts and, uh, and, and renew our vision of who you are and how you love us? Um, Holy Spirit, come and do all the things that we know nothing about that, uh, that you know need to be done today in every single individual person who is hearing this message, who is hearing your scripture this morning, um, and accomplish your will. Do whatever it takes uh, for your will to be done in each of our lives, and ask this in, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so um, Paul is here in Rome suffering for the people that he loves. Um, he, he tells them, it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. He's come to Rome as a prisoner. Um, and in the last few chapters before this that we, we've kind of skipped over uh, to get to this chapter, uh, we see that Paul goes to Jerusalem to share the gospel. And while he's there, he's imprisoned. He is, uh, the Jews there in Jerusalem uh, oppose him. They want to kill him. So he's arrested. He survives torture. He survives multiple plots against his life. He endures multiple trials, uh, is, is moved to Caesarea, and then eventually to Rome. Uh, on his way to Rome, he is in a boat with other prisoners. Uh, one of the guards wants to kill all of the prisoners, and Paul convinces him not to. Uh, there is a great storm on the sea. They're shipwrecked. They have 14 days without food. Um, and then he is bitten by a poisonous viper and survives this bite to find himself a prisoner under house arrest in Rome awaiting trial. And so this is the scene that we come into. And he is here, uh, he has called the Jewish people, um, Paul is himself a Jew, and he has called um, his, his people to him in Rome so that he can share the good news of Jesus with them. And, and as they come to him, um, they weren't, it, it's important to hear here that uh, they weren't soured by a bad report of Paul. Um, everywhere that Paul has gone, he's had mixed results with the, the gospel. Some people receive it, some people do not. And the people that do not, some of them are very angry and oppose him and try to kill him. And uh, a lot of these uh, Jews in these different cities were spreading the word about Paul, but these Roman Jews said, no, we haven't received any reports like that, but we have heard about this new sect called Christianity and that it is opposed everywhere. And so we're actually very curious of what you have to say, what this is all about. And so here is Paul before these people. Uh, they set a date. They come to him. They're there for an entire day from sunup to sundown. He is teaching them the scriptures and testifying from his own personal experience of the truth of the good news of Jesus. 
And I love what it says here that he is trying to convince their hearts of the truth of the gospel. And, and that's what it looks like today. Um, that is what it is to be on the mission of God is, is talking to people through the scriptures. It's talking to people through our own life experiences of how God has moved and worked in our lives, how we've seen him and experienced him and know him, trying to convince the hearts of anyone that God brings before us the truth of the gospel so that people can have life. And, and the, essentially going back to, to the ACL, because that's all I can think about, um, Paul is essentially saying to them in all that he's saying to them from sunup to sundown is, is you have a torn soul ligament. Um, and, and you know this on some level. This is not a secret to you. You, you experience the pain. The life that you live is, is handicapped. Uh, it's, you know that this is not the way it's supposed to be. That's why you're living in such a bad state. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that there is a healer. There is one who comes and who loves you. He comes in love to do the, the impossible work apart from him of healing your soul. And that is the news that I bring to you this morning. And that's, that is the news that Paul is bringing to these people this day. And so the result of this, Paul is brilliant, right? Paul is a a scholar above scholars of the, the Jewish scriptures. The, Paul is a man who has experienced Jesus in extremely powerful ways, his own conversion. He was someone who was imprisoning and killing Christians, and Jesus stopped him with a blinding light on the road to do more of the same, to go kill and imprison more Christians. And Jesus shows up to him in a vision and stops him and says, Paul, you are mine. And now you will go and proclaim me. And Paul prays for a boy who fell out of a like third story window and dead, and he came back to life. Paul preaches this gospel, and thousands of people come to faith. He's witnessed revivals. He's escaped death uh, by, by just a, a hair uh, multiple times. So Paul has had the most amazing experiences, and he is the most amazing uh, scriptural scholar and he spends an entire day with these people. And at the end, the result is some were convinced, some disbelieved. And so Paul's last statement after everything that he shares is, is, what, is what we see here from the book of Isaiah, what he quotes from Isaiah. The Holy Spirit is right in saying to you, to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say that you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear, their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. That's a difficult thing to hear, right? But essentially what Paul is saying here is this is not a, a this, this is a statement of judgment, but it's, it's not a statement of lack of love. Paul has spent all day arguing, teaching, discipling, debating whatever needs to happen to these people because he loves them. This message from God, from Jesus is coming to these people because he loves them. And so at the end of the day, what Paul is, all that Paul is left to say is I've said everything that there is to be said. What else can I say? There is no other thing that can be said 
Um, I, I can't go any bigger because I'm talking about the God of the universe and the plan for all of human history. I can't get any more personal and specific because I'm talking about him loving you individually and sending Jesus to die in your place because he wants you to be a son or daughter of God. There is nothing left for me to say if you will not receive that. And so where does this mixed result lead him? I mean, think about that all day long. And, and it's just this tepid, uh, some people believe, but most of them don't. And they're walking away, and Paul is left chained to a, a Roman soldier under house arrest in a strange place, watching this result uh, of these people who refuse to receive Jesus uh, go off into the sunset. And where does this mixed result lead him? And this is really important for us. Does it lead Paul to question God's goodness? No. Does it lead Paul to question God's presence with him, God's caring for him in his life? No. Does it lead him to question God's love or the truth of the gospel or the effectiveness of the gospel? No, not at all. Why? Because this is exactly what Jesus experienced. Paul knew that this was coming. Listen to this from John 1 about, about Jesus himself. Jesus, who is the true light, Paul is talking about the light. Jesus is the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. He is the creator of this world and everyone who lives in it. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name... He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. This Jesus, the light of the world, the hope of Israel, was himself chained. He was uh, infinite God who decided to chain himself to human flesh, to chain himself to the suffering of what it is to live life on this planet, this broken place where people lose and where people die <laughs> and where people suffer. He knew all of the loss, all of the suffering, all of the rejection. He was literally called a man of sorrows who was beaten beyond human recognition and hung on a cross to die for us so that we could receive him, so that we could believe that this love um, made a way for us to be reconciled to God and have life and be healed and become children of God. That the light of the world was extinguished so that we could have life and that we could see. And now the spirit of Jesus lives in all who believe in him. And Jesus says to Paul and to us, his people, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And go like I came and went. And you're gonna have the same experiences that I did. You're going to have people accept you. You're going to have people reject you. But that does not mean that the cause of God, the mission of God is failing or flailing. It means that we can't see the full working out of God's plans. We know that even the darkest darkness cannot stop or even curtail the mission of God because 
we watch the light of the world be extinguished. That Jesus was put to death, and even death could not stop the mission of God in this world. That Jesus was raised from the dead to show that he had triumphed over death, over sin, over Satan. So it would be clearly seen that all of us who trust in him are not fools, that we will not be put to shame because we are united with him. And if he lives, we live. And Paul had had an encounter with this Jesus. He personally knew and conversed with this Jesus. To Paul, this Jesus was very real, very active and very alive. And so we zoom out on Paul. We zoom out on the entire account of the book of Acts, the early church, the mission of God, with Paul imprisoned, and it says for the next two years, he welcomed anyone who would come to him because he couldn't go to them, teaching and proclaiming Jesus, doing the same thing he did this day with the Jews, with all boldness and without hindrance. Boldness. Confidence. For the next two years, with all of these mixed results, every day, Paul was able to speak in confidence and believe in confidence the truth of the gospel and his call to proclaim it and the effectiveness of his proclaiming it to bring dead people to life. And the mixed results and reviews of the people that came to see him did not extinguish or dampen his confidence and boldness in the gospel at all. And it says that he proclaimed without hindrance. That's crazy to say, right? He's literally chained to a Roman soldier in a house that he cannot leave. But he was proclaiming the gospel without hindrance, freely. He's free. No suffering or limiting circumstance will hinder God's work in Paul or in the world. This is what he says in 2 Timothy 2.9. He says, I am suffering for the gospel, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Essentially what Paul is saying is God has a plan and his plan involves me being in chains, but I'm still able to proclaim the gospel. I'm still living on this earth. And as long as I do, I know that that means fruitful labor for me. That means the gospel is going out in exactly the way that God intends it to. And so we zoom out on what feels like a, a real, if I'm honest, a real letdown in the book of Acts. If you've been with us or you know the book of Acts, you know that the beginning, uh, it begins with a lot of fireworks. The Holy Spirit comes and, and just mysteriously and supernaturally like takes over this group of men and they run out into the streets of this busy city on its busiest day and start proclaiming the glory of God and the good news of Jesus in all the different languages of all the different people, as this was a crossroads of people who spoke all sorts of different languages from all different places. And all of these people were coming to faith, thousands and thousands of people coming to faith in just a day. And then following that, more thousands. And within a week, all of a sudden, the church is, is tens of thousands of people large. And we, we read stories throughout the book of Acts of these amazing things that are happening, people being raised from the dead, People miraculously escaping prison and death. Angels coming and knocking chains off of prisoners and teleporting people to other places. And so if you're reading the first few chapters of Acts, I would bet you're not expecting the last chapter of Acts. This, this man who is uh, beyond 
infinitely large in the story of the early church is this almost superhero figure is sitting alone, chained to a, a prison guard, talking to a few people that come day in, day out, and some of them believe and some of them don't. And those are the last days of Paul's life. But through Paul's life, his suffering, his adventures, his wins, his losses, Jesus is doing the very thing that he promised he would do. In Acts 1.8, Jesus tells his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses all the way to the ends of the earth. And now we see this old man at the end of his life, he has carried the gospel to Rome, the crossroads of the world, the very ends of the earth. And now we are all like Paul. We are all suffering healers. We are all ACL surgeons recovering from ACL surgery ourselves. How could it be any different? <laughs> because to suffer for the love of God and the love of man is to know the heart of Jesus. And that's what it is to be with him. That's what it is to have intimacy with him. And it, it is painful, but is it worth it? Yes. Because you and I are sitting here today. The mission of God is that lives are transformed from death to life. For people to say yes to this suffering Jesus and suffer alongside him means that people who were once dead and captive to the enemy of God are now alive and free and will be with him for all eternity. It's what Paul says in Philippians 1. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm still alive, I don't know what God has for me, but it must mean that God has fruitful gospel labor for me somehow. But I can't decide which I would choose if I could. My deepest desire is to leave this earth and to be with Jesus because that is far better than anything here. But the fact that I'm still here means that I'm here for you. It must mean that to help Jesus be born in you. And I'm glad of that too because I love you. And that, this is what it is to be the church. You know, this is what it is to be on the mission of God. It's that this Jesus who is so beautiful, who is so powerful, who is so wise, who is so good, that he has come and he's, he's experienced all of the darkness, all of the suffering to take it away from us, to give us new life. And then he invites us into this life with him of suffering for the sake of this beautiful thing called the kingdom of God, which is God and man united. God and man reconciled to each other so that we can have unity and community and, and deep intimacy for all of eternity. It is that, that Jesus really is the lens through which I see everything. Is the, he is the desire of my heart. He is the treasure of my heart. And so I long for him more than I long for anything else. And to be here means that he has me here for you. That must be what it means because he wants to be with me as much as I want to be with him. 
And so if I'm here, it's because there's other people that he wants to be with who aren't yet with him. And when you and I, um, as I often do, live out of something other than that, then all I can do is, is let my pain interpret my circumstances for me and interpret reality for me. If, if Jesus is, is not at the center, at the core of my existence, um, then I've lost my ability to live for the very thing I was made to live for. And all I can do now is numb out, try to make myself comfortable, try to have fun. Reducing pain becomes number one objective if he is not and and we just limp around and look for ways to numb out. And this leads us away from the life that we were made for. And so, what do we do about this? Because I, I don't think I'm the only one in this room who is following Jesus and, and forgetting Jesus. And living out of other things uh, instead of living out of a desire uh, to hear from him and to follow him. Well, what we need is uh, we need a, a vision of Jesus. We need him to come and do what only he can do, which is not something that we can do for ourselves. We can make ourselves available, but he's the one who has to do it. He's the one who has to come and breathe new life into our hearts to give us a vision of him that is larger than the vision of our pain or of our other, and we've talked a lot about idols the last couple of weeks, bigger than the, the false gods that we think satisfy us and don't. We, we need a fresh conviction of reality, of the reality of God's love in Jesus, of his power, of his presence, of his goodness, of his plans for the world and for our own lives. We need a fresh vision of his glory or else we, we cannot be the church and we cannot be on the mission of God. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to spend just a, a few minutes um, crying out and asking him for that, because that's all we have. Um, and again, back to this, uh, this idea about postures, um, you know, we are embodied souls, and, and our physical lives matter, and our physical experience matters. Um, that's why, you know, we got to see a baptism. That's why we have that physical, tangible experience um, of that. And so what I'm going to ask us to do is um, you can stay seated. You can also find a spot on the floor and, and be on your knees. Uh, you can have your hands open in any physical posture that you want um, that will help put you in touch with the reality of what's happening here is us asking Jesus um, to renew our hearts, to give us a fresh conviction of of how beautiful he is and how true this is and, and to help us live out of this place. Um, and then I'll close this after a few minutes.
our precious King Jesus, we confess that you have become very little to us. We have allowed our, our pain to interpret reality. We have uh, put expectations on you of what life in you looks like. And when you have not delivered on our understanding of what life should look like in you, uh, then we have turned our nose at you and run the other way. And away from you, apart from you, all that's left to do is mess around with little things that can't bring life. In our, our pain and our sadness and our anger and our resentment, we have pretended like that is satis satisfying when it, it's not. And rather than uh, maybe be disappointed again, we have settled for just not being satisfied, but at least being in control. And so Jesus, would you please um, come and, and bring healing Come and renew us, renew our hearts, our minds. Give us a deep affection for you. Stir in us your Holy Spirit. Regenerate our hearts. Or give us a deep love for you and a deep love for the men and women with which we work and live and play. Would you continue long after the sermon series is over to press into us and lead us into what it is to be the church and to be on the mission of God together? Would you make us like you, Jesus? Would you make us like Paul? Would you make us like Isaiah, who Paul quotes? Would you give us a vision of you that is so large and is so overwhelming and is so beautiful and is so holy that we will do anything you say because you are reality? and everything else pales in comparison. That we would not be afraid of rejection because we love the people that we are sharing you with. Because it's worth it. It is worth it to see people come to life in relationship with you. Because you love them and you love us. And you've suffered and you've called us to suffer, but you've never called us to suffer as much as you have but you call us to suffer enough so that we can understand and so that we can be intimate with you and have this deep relationship with you, this communion with you for which we were made. Help us to trust you in that, Lord, that this is good, that anything you allow into our lives is good and let the pain, instead of being this disorienting noise that makes us only focus on the pain, let it be like a radio frequency that tunes us in to drown everything else out and hear your voice even more clearly. Lord, we, we ask this because we are desperate. We cannot change these things ourselves. Only you can do that. And you love us. You promise us that you will. And so we cling to your promises. We depend on you and your word and your love. Um, do this now, even as we continue to worship. In Jesus' name, amen.